I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Well, I thought about the army dancing sun, you're high. And I thought, yeah, there's a Love this song. <laughs> it's good stuff. Little uh, Ben Folds 5, which you're going to tell us a little bit more about here in just a minute. But uh, good morning. Good morning. It's an early one for us. Uh, it's a little early, but uh, it's nothing, nothing, nothing too crazy. A little raspy. Yeah, you know. Little, little too early to get drunk or high, that's for sure. <laughs> right? I mean, it would be socially frowned upon. It would be, yes. And we actually have to go to work today. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that. There's that. There's that. But anyways, uh, yeah, happy podcast day. We did it. We actually officially hit the 100,000 download mark. It's I mean, official. it is official. It's no longer a projection or a conjecture or any other fancy any word like that. Uh, we've hit the number and couldn't be happier. And I have to say on behalf of everybody else, uh, Kent, it's a remarkable accomplishment. You should be very proud. This was your baby from oh, the very geez. beginning. And every time I start talking about it, I get a, I get a little choked up I'm because tear up it's, here. It, it, it really means a lot to me personally. And I know uh, everybody out there and everyone involved with the show. So on behalf of everyone else, for a change, thank you for everything that you've done. <laughs> I appreciate that, Sean. I know that was hard for you to do. I had to dig deep to I dig know. that one out, but I had to, it must be said. I appreciate that. And it's been great. You know, it's for three years into it and um, it wouldn't have been possible without a lot of different people and our sponsors and our listeners, of course, and tons of people to thank. And um, but we'll do a follow up to that at our, our year end show. Oh, yeah. Year in yeah. review, year in year review, in review show. show uh, I'll, I'll be in San Diego. We'll be doing it remotely, but I will. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And you may be drunk and high. Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, super excited about that. And with, on that note, this week, um, well, before this episode actually goes out, it will already be released, but we are doing a listener raffle. Oh, yeah. For, uh, we're going to celebrate the, the occasion. Show. We're going to do that at the show, right? We're going to pull the names at the uh, year in review show here in a couple of weeks, but we're going to start allowing people to get, uh, get registered, I guess, to be into the raffle starting today. But again, when this comes out, it'll already be out for like five days. So anyways, uh, it's going to be great. Um, kudos to our friends of the program for donating some amazing prizes to be given away. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, really good stuff there. I had a great weekend this past weekend. Uh, Black Moods show oh, Friday night. Uh, the Black Mood show was amazing. Uh, kudos to those guys. Man, they put on a great show. That was my first my, my first Black Mood show, and I was I'm hooked. I'm, I was impressed. Really it was good. a good rock and roll show. It's It's been a while since I went to an actual just good rock show and had a mm. great time. It was, it, was, it was fantastic. Great way to describe it. Good rock and roll show. Yeah. And we don't do enough of those. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And then, I don't think I shared this with you, but on Saturday night, I went and saw, are you familiar with the show Letter Kenny? I am familiar with the show. Not, I, I'm not quite as into it as you are, but I'm familiar with the show. There is a character on there by the name of Squirrely Dan. Okay. Okay. And his real name is K. Trevor Wilson. And he was here Saturday night doing a comedy show. Oh, nice. So went and saw him. Fantastic. It was awesome. And it was a big weekend for, for the gross. You know, it's, we don't usually go yeah. out two nights in a row. And uh, I felt like I was hungover until like yesterday. Uh, I can tell you for a fact I was definitely hungover until yesterday. <laughs> Getting old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I also had a really big weekend. It's my birthday, birthday weekend. Birthday weekend. Uh, 
I was in a golf tournament at, at the uh, at the old country club all nice. weekend. Uh, me and my friend JT won our won our flight. We made it to fourth overall. It was it was a whole lot of fun. Had awesome. a comp- Lexi's company Christmas party Saturday. Wow. Had a nice dinner with friends on Sunday. I mean, it was it was it was a nice weekend. That's a big weekend. It, it is almost too much yes. for a guy a guy of my stature. <laughs> I, I agree. Agree. One last thing I want to mention. Uh, Sean and I were asked to be on the Mac in Blue podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, check out this podcast. A uh, couple local local guys here from Arizona. Uh, JJ yeah. Levinsky, who's a, who was a guest uh, about five five or six episodes ago. Yep, yep. He's one of the hosts of this podcast, and uh, just a lot of fun. Great guys. Really fun conversation. It'll be released probably after the first of the year, I think. But we'll we'll definitely. Uh, you know, make it a point to promote it once it gets out there. But it's the Mac and Blue, B-L-E-U podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Great guys. Good stuff. All right. Tell us about Ben Folds 5 there, Sean. Uh, Ben's Fold 5, that was a song called Army. Uh, these guys are an American alternative rock trio formed in 1993 in, believe it or not, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Are you a big fan? I, I am the opposite of a big fan. Oh. Uh, I went to school at North Carolina State in Raleigh. Uh, I really despise everything about North Carolina <laughs> Tar Heels, uh, but... For the hometown guy, it's nice to have a, you know, I grew up in high school knowing this guy was around, uh, you know, local. It was pretty uh-huh. cool. Uh, the group com- comprises of Ben Folds, Robert Sledge, and Darren Jesse. They were a trio in spite of their name, and the primary motivation behind the name, apart from the band's well-known use of humor, was a simple re- preference, according to Ben. He said, I think it sounds better than Ben Folds 3. I would mm. agree. agree. Uh, Folds once described their music as punk rock for sissies, a reaction to the angst <laughs> prevalent in 90s rock. The group achieved success in the alternative, indie, and pop music scenes. During their first seven years, the band released three studio records, a compilation of B-sides and outtakes, and eight singles. And I have to say, Kent tried to slip me up here, and he slipped in a comment called Sean's a dork in this, in this read here, thinking that I would just blow through it. I thought for sure you would. Uh, However, (laughs) I prepare for shows and I read ahead of time, so I caught this and I I love that you tried to slip it in, but you gotta you gotta you gotta wake up a little earlier in the morning to get that one by me. No earlier, please. (laughs) (laughs) But a really good band. I've never seen them. I've I had opportunities. Yeah, they're 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 good live. I mean, it's it's a fun group. Yeah, they kind of remind me of uh, Bare Naked Ladies a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say that. You know, they. They don't take themselves too seriously, yep. but I know this. Uh, you know, Ben Folds is a phenomenal musician. You know, yes. plays piano. Does I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. Yep, yep, good stuff. All right, thank you for that. We are, of course, in the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio. Um, not a whole lot new here. The only thing I'll mention is that we are exploring new studio space for. Ooh, yes, we are. Twenty twenty three. Something more, a little Joe Rogan esque. You know, something more. I'd say rustic, dirty, industrial, yeah, something. You know, so I'm a, really hoping we can get some like background clanking of glasses or just something like it yes. just feels like we're there's more happening. But yeah, like at a bar. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see what we can we we can muster yeah. up here. So stay tuned for that. Um, what else? Nothing nothing really new about with Trent that I know of, which is kind of odd because that guy's always got something going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we can't. As usual, thank Trent enough for all the support of the show. And, of course, check out his efforts, Mentoring Monday and Wisdom Wednesday. Some really good stuff going on there from a, um, a mentoring perspective. Great mm-hmm. for young surveyors. 
and old surveyors alike. Absolutely. Plenty of old surveyors. We talk about that a lot. Yes, there are a lot, but they also need to listen to something too. Yes, I do. Okay. This segment I'm going to call this week, Producer Sean's Blindsided Subject Matter of the Week. So I have no idea what you're going to ask me. But I'll give you an option. Okay. Do you want pop culture or do you want sports? Uh, let's shake it up. I'll take pop culture. All right. Um, have you seen these houses that uh, Elon Musk is building? They're like $15,000. A company out of Vegas called Boxable. Check this out. I found this on YouTube. Some great videos. But they are building like these $15,000 self-contained homes that come on the bed of a, a semi, basically. And you can you know, mix them, match them, put them together, like modular type things. But I really think that this is something that is going to impact the way that we, we, we live moving forward to have options like this. $15,000. Uh, can I take sports? <laughs> <laughs> that would be Brittany Griner. Would you like to talk about that? No, <laughs> please. Absolutely not. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to take over as much. I mean, it reminds me of the little house and tiny the, the, the yep. tiny houses mm-hmm. in the middle. I mean, you see, you saw it around, uh, until they make big, huge subdivisions that are built for these things, it seems just like a one-off. Like, yep. it seems just like another option, a slight upgrade to a tent that you put in your parents' backyard when when you know it's you're you're out of college and you don't have a job and you're trying to trying to make a living until you can graduate to an apartment or uh, what they do now is a single-family rental or whatever. So, yeah. uh, I think it's just a gimmick. I don't see it taking over the mainstream. It'll be interesting. Anything Elon touches, for the most part, turns to gold. So we'll see where this goes. And I think he's actually living in one of these. Like, he sold, like, one of his billion-dollar mansions, and he's got, like, a $50,000 boxable house that he lives in, at least part-time. Yeah, one thing I'm not going to do is try to mimic anything Elon Musk does as anyone anyone else would do. I mean, Mm. that's just – that guy's out there so much that – He is. I won't take that as the example. Yeah, mad genius for sure. Without a doubt. All right. Well, good stuff there. Uh, uh, I, I always, oh, I'm, gonna add, I'm yep. always going to add in a pick of the week. Well, dude, you already owe me like a hundred bucks. I keep betting I, on your picks. I don't, I don't know how many times I have to tell you that I'm a terrible gambler, mm. but I, I'm going to keep trying because it's fun. Uh, Monday night game, Rams at Packers. Uh, I said this before. I'm going to take the over under. We need to put two bad teams together on Monday night. Uh, they'll score. So the over is oh take the over at thirty nine and a half. Mm. They're gonna they're gonna score some points. Uh, it might be cold and snowy, but I still think that's pretty low. The both defenses are pretty bad. So and I think they'll get some points on the board. So yeah. take the over. Uh, good one. Let me tell you about my over under loss last night. The uh, Bucks and Golden State. I, no. Was it? Her, I think it was that game. Anyways, over under was like two thirty. Right. It was yeah. Third quarter yeah. it was like an inner game bet. You know, I'm like. Oh. Easy. Slam These guys are dunk. <laughs> it freaking goes into overtime. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I lost. <laughs> I was so pissed. I woke up this morning. I'm like, oh, I'm sure I won that one. And I'm like, what? How yeah. did that happen? Right. Uh, well, last week it was taking the uh, taking the Cardinals in Monday night. Uh, I was uh. at the game. And, of course, everyone knows, especially around here, on the third play, Kyler Murray goes down. And, well, there went any chance yeah. of that happening. Yeah. I had a bunch of prop bets with Kyler in on, the, on that game. So uh, Apparently they're, uh, give, they're giving out some free bets to make up for that. Uh, Were they really? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on uh, FanDuel is doing, doing free bets as a consolation for – 
Yeah. Any prop bets ahead, Kyler definitely went yeah. down. That's quick. very nice of them to do that. <laughs> yeah, super generous. <laughs> super generous. All right, Liquid Death Weekly Words of Wisdom. This is a good one. You're going to like this one, Sean. Okay. All right, are you ready? I am. The first duty of the university is to teach wisdom, not a trade. Character, not technicalities. We want a lot of engineers in the modern world, but we do not want a world of engineers. Man, I have so many thoughts about that. Um, I, first of all, I think that's a great quote. And I think that it, uh, I really like the aspect of we develop people in, in university, turn high school kids into adults, and not necessarily turn high school kids into surveyors, engineers, and, you know, they shouldn't come out of college ready to go as, as, uh, as tradesmen, I guess you, sure. you should say. So, yep. uh, I think uh, there's a little bit of a misconception there of what people expect to get out of college yeah. and really what they expect a university to do for them mm. and what they're paying for there. I think there is some disconnect because the, the student does have some responsibility there to make themselves mm -hmm. a career the university is not responsible for finding them a job and getting them a salary and making them a, a long career. They just put give the tools in place, challenge you enough so you can figure it out for yourself how to graduate, and then from there it kind of starts over. My thoughts. Great perspective. I appreciate that. Uh, none other than uh, Winston Churchill. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, I would not have expected that. Fitting for today's guest. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> let's move on to that segment of the show. We have Paul Burroughs, a.k.a. Reality Capture Guy, with us this morning, this evening, this afternoon, whichever part of the day it is where you are. Uh, Paul's born in Bedfordshire, a.k.a. The Shire in the U.K., uh, attended Bournemouth? Bournemouth? Bournemouth, Bournemouth University, where he studied computer animation and archaeology. Wow. Cool. Going to ask about that. Um, he likes to do house renovations. He runs around with his dogs, and he uh, dabbles in gaming just a little bit. Uh, he is currently the principal software solutions manager uh, in the reality capture group for uh, Leica. Okay. And... Uh, one cool thing about Paul is he actually had a, a stint living in the U.S., worked here for a bit, which we're going to find out more, but it was very impactful on his uh, on his life and his career. So, Paul, welcome to the Geoholics. Thanks for being here. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's great. Thank you. Very much enjoyed your introduction. It's all, it's all <laughs> good, good. <laughs> well, we, we're glad we were finally able to make this happen. It's been a long time coming just because, uh -huh. you know, your busy schedule and getting it on our calendars. But regardless, here we are. And uh, we're excited to have this conversation with you. I'm going to start it off with something you're probably not going to like, but it's our, oh, no. it's our, it's our weekly um, icebreaker. And uh, it, is oh. it is sponsored by <laughs> your competition. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it is the, uh, the Trimble Pro Point icebreaker. So <laughs> forgive right. us for that. Uh, it's not to say that Leica cannot be a sponsor of the show. We would love to have Leica <laughs> on board. But here's the question for this week. If you could have... I guess we'll say coffee because it's morning with any historical figure, who would that be? Oh, crikey. That's a big one, isn't it? That's a big one. Are they alive, dead? Is that, does that matter? Does that it, factor in? Uh, does not matter. Dealer's choice. Not, crikey. I mean, I mean, probably maybe from like the sheer entertainment factor and to kind of marry up the person to, 
you mentioned Elon Musk, but I'm not going to say Elon Musk. I'm going to I'm going to choose someone squarely dead. I mean, so, someone like <laughs> King Henry VIII. Some someone uh, like really uh, like yeah. proper English like villainous rogue, but also somehow was the king that, I don't know, just, just, was he as bad as everyone said he was, or was he just, you know, did he just have a few too many beers? Maybe I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, someone like that, certainly I'd have to choose someone from history, someone dead that, you know, wasn't accessible now, but um, no, that's a really good question. And I have to say, uh, you should have said if they would have tea with this person. Oh, yes, you're right. It's, oh, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's tea. tea. Oh, Cup. Okay. Yes. Cup okay, not beer. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Sean? So do you mean... You mean a cup of tea or do you mean like uh, an English tea? I mean, we have, this is where we get very technical here. Yeah. Uh, I honestly don't know the difference. Cuppa. <laughs> it's C-U-P-P-A. Cuppa. What is that? A cuppa. A cuppa. Yeah, you want a cup of tea. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're asking me, I mean, I, I don't know. It, you know, I could always go with the standard like Ben Franklin or something like that. I mean... I'd probably go Ben Franklin just because he seemed like a pretty interesting. interesting guy. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, you know my guy. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Man. All day oh, long. Just so predictable. All day long. My hero. <clears throat> All right. Or, or maybe like maybe taking Paul's, you know, maybe somebody like Genghis Khan or something like, you know, did you really pillage a million people and, uh, and have, have 1,200 wives or whatever that was? Hey, there's like, two sides to every story. There absolutely is. And it could be, it could be exaggerated in the, in the history books. So <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Good stuff. So, uh, so Paul, where, where are you at currently? I'm, I'm near Birmingham in the UK. So about two hours for anyone listening stateside. Uh, yep. Obviously, you've got Birmingham, Alabama. We have Birmingham, West Midlands. It's about uh, two hours northwest of London. So, uh, yeah, it's not too far away from the capital. And you have a fairly unique situation. You work pretty much 100% remotely. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I used to be attached to the UK team for a long, long time. Uh, but now I work uh, directly for the, the Swiss headquarters, but obviously fully remotely. So there's a, few, there's a number of us working in that way. But um, we do travel occasionally to whether it's events or headquarters, but yeah, mostly remotely, which is uh, and, and primarily triggered by the pandemic. But certainly you could see the trend happening anyway. But uh, the pandemic obviously accelerated that a hell of a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It sure changed things. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, so your educational background anyway is you know, the archaeology side. That's, that's really interesting. I love that stuff. But how did you ultimately end up becoming interested in, you know, surveying and geomatics? Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, so it was, you know, I, when I was at school, I did that many different subjects. And I enjoyed that much. I actually found it really hard to decide what I was going to do going to university so um i you know i actually ended up originally i was going off to do acting i was going off to acting school to go really? in, to, to go in there yeah 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 absolutely loved theater studies and everything fully into drama and then um i took a year out just some money for university because it costs so damn much nowadays and uh and i ended up going to do computer animation visualization and it, i really loved the artistic side of it so i was really into like creating characters and spaces and and then I did this course and it wasn't that it was missold to me. It was just, I hated the mathematical side and the, and the programming side. Like I really couldn't stand it. So um, I switched at the end of year one and I really wanted to stay at, at the university that I was at. And I got a massive love of history. 
and they had this archaeology course and there was surveying as part of this archaeology course as well and i and i kind of just got sucked into this archaeology degree um and yeah they one thing led to another i got i got playing with 3d technology while i was on the course so scanning like rock art with these really old you know old, it's a, called a conica minolta scanner um and then i came out the back end of university and ended up working for uh, the Institute of Archaeology and Antiquities at Birmingham University. And they had all of this 3D scanning equipment. And uh, that's how, and obviously surveying equipment, so GPS and total stations, early airborne LIDAR technology. And, and I just kind of, I got, I got told, go and make some business from all this technology. You know, go and create some revenue from this technology. And, I, and then one thing led to another and uh, landed at Leica Geosystems. And that was 16 years ago. So um, it's been a, an interesting journey for sure. Yep. So let's talk about working at Leica. And I'll have to be mm-hmm. honest with you. You're probably, gosh, one of the, we've done a hundred and how many episodes? 50 some episodes, I guess. This is episode 155. 155. Yep. And wow. you are the first person to come on representing Leica. So. Okay. Uh, and we have used this stuff before. So yeah. it's not that, you know, out, out of there. Right. Right, right. So talk about life at Leica, what it's like to work for the company, kind of what their mission and values look like. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, I I can go very corporate, but I can also take it quite personal. So I think the first thing, the first thing is that everyone is super ambitious, right? That's Hmm. the one thing I would say is like, there's this kind of genuine drive to just improve. And, And someone years and years ago, an old colleague was like, you know, this whole mantra of, you know, as long as you do something 1% better every single day and you get these incremental gains and all of a sudden everything gets better. And it, and it really is just, yes, you have to make the big kind of shifts and the big kind of fundamental changes, which, you know, there is stuff happening in the background now, like how do we change things? How do we make customers happier? How do we deliver things faster? But actually, whilst you've got the big picture stuff there still is the person at the end of the day just chipping away trying all these you know trying to hit these little goals and these targets to move everything on so from a from a personal perspective it's been great i mean it's been 16 years of just a, you know a whirlwind of travel and different jobs and different roles all within reality capture you know squarely focused actually around software actually a lot of the time yes you sell the hardware but actually the software does the grunt work and does the you know makes the magic but you know i think the mission now is all around you know there's a big alignment to sustainability there's a big alignment to autonomy um you know trying to make things safer you know and you mentioned uh, you mentioned about people coming out of university not being ready for a career but ready to kind of be be trained for a career mm. and uh going off topic a little bit but we're really struggling right now of getting those people through you know so how how do we get those people through? Well, we need exciting technology. And I think that's something that I really, really love on a daily basis is I'm working with absolute cutting edge technology and cutting edge software, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, neural networks, all this kind of stuff that was pie in the sky to me 10 years ago, but now is kind of coming down to the everyday. You might not see it. You might not, you know, you might not tangibly realize that it's happening, but, but when you play with the products now and in the next few years, everything is just going to, the, the pace of change is incredible. Mm. So, um, and the other thing is the business, the business is just growing, you know, really, really growing solidly, especially on the, on the surveying side. So to see all this new talent coming in and new divisions springing up and you kind of have to take stock every once in a while and think, 
crikey, you're, you're part of something big. And I mm. think, you know, Hexagon, which is the parent company, is massive. You know, it's yeah. a really big business. Yeah, Man, there is so much to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is for sure. And one thing you mentioned is, you know, the advancement of the software. And I think for a long time, the hardware is where most of the advancements were taking place. Mm-hmm. And now the hardware has got to the point that the software kind of has to catch up. Would you say that's an accurate yeah. statement? Yeah, and I, and I think that we are taking very relevant steps to do that. Yeah, and and I don't want to get too deep into it because you could I could talk all day. Genuinely, I would just talk all day about <laughs> things that are happening. But the hardware, you know, once you get to that kind of two million points per second and and you know X million megapixel panoramas and H, HDR and automatic registration, you know, like okay, I've got all this data, I've got this the billions upon billions of points. What the hell do I do with it? And um, and and the one big shift that we're seeing right now is you know how do we leverage the cloud how do we leverage parallel parallelization how do you how do we take you know and i guess in the future you know quantum compute and all these other things will kind of come into the play but yeah we, we have to turn this into something useful and usable and and understandable and yeah massively the software is just uh you know becomes so important on a daily basis and but then at the same time you know we have customers saying it just it's not moving fast enough and you know there's only yeah. so much you can do within the constraints of resources and and cost bases and everything but yeah we are trying and and i think over the next few years everyone's going to get you know be very happy with some of the stuff that's going to be coming out for sure so you mentioned something i mean a lot of things a lot of questions that i that i just popped in my head based on what you just said but the big one back to uh, Leica and the company, um, you said something initially there is that, you know, everybody that's there is super motivated and mm. super and how or what do you think that they're doing differently with, you know, maybe it's the hiring process or screening process or maybe it's the culture. But what do you think that Leica is doing so they end up with a large organization that is 100 percent comprised of people that are super motivated in what they're doing? I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, the first thing comes down to looking after the staff, right? Mm. Okay, so if you don't, if you if you're not looking after people, you're not going to be motivated. And I think there is a real, very you know European centric uh, kind of HR process, right, which is very sensitive to different regional, you know, and cultural things. Um, however, you know, on the on the flip side, you know, the US the US is hugely important now and and growing as well, which is great. But certainly there's this kind of, you go to the headquarters in Switzerland, right? And it is, it's cheesy to say, but it is like a little family. And I know that's a bit of a red flag for some people, but it's this, you know, very, very lovely place in the middle of Switzerland in a valley and it's the factory and you've got all the people working there. There's a couple of hubs in like Zurich and Zug and these other places, but it is driven from this very, very small kind of family business background and 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 i think the the key thing is now as well as a few years ago there was this big change towards agility so having you know having an agile team of not only marketing and also technology so when you see products like the blk line all of that stuff is kind of being driven by you know iterate fast fail quicker get the you know get you know, get the product to market and 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 obviously you get the best product to market in the in the best you know the shortest space of time and just you know keep changing and keep changing um and i didn't expect to see for example the blk line grow like that but 
there's a whole team of people and and also special relationships with big organizations like um oh, i forgot the name of it now which is a pain big university in switzerland and a, it's almost like a filter school mm. so these guys come through into the into the development teams for Leica, and and they've all got this kind of same drive you know all highly intelligent and motivated to u- utilize technology to make things faster and easier and more autonomous but from a cultural point of view standing away from it now working remotely i still feel affected by that because i see how hard everyone is working so you think sometimes you might become disconnected but actually i think more than ever now i can see that you know the energy and the drive that everyone has so uh, that's a very roundabout way of answering your question oh sure no i got it Yeah, no, that's good. So full disclosure, in uh, 2008, when the economy hit the skids, mm-hmm. um, wasn't a whole lot of serving jobs at the time. Mm-hmm. So I actually, for about six months, worked for uh, a buddy of mine here locally who sold Leica gear. Okay. So mm-hmm. for six months, I got to get very intimate with the Leica gear, which I had not used before. And one thing I will say is the Leica stuff that I have had the opportunity to use is like probably the most rock solid, indestructible, um, reliable equipment that I've ever used. Really? Yes. No question about it. But, and Paul, I really want to get your take on this. Leica does things a little bit differently. Like their, their software and stuff like that is a little bit, it's proprietary of course, but like, in my opinion, Topcon and Trimble are pretty much interchangeable, but Leica kind of separates themselves and just the platforms are a little bit different. But the thing is, once a person becomes a Leica user, they're essentially a Leica user for life. Yeah, they're locked in. They're locked that's, in. That's what I, yes. that's what I experienced yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, we find that a lot actually. It does yeah. take a, it does take a lot to, to get people out of the Leica ecosystem, I think. But mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, we, I can't really comment on the survey side of the business, but yeah, I know it's, I know it's different, but certainly... You know, the idea you mentioned the word, you know, proprietary, right? And everyone's, you know, there's a little bit of this Apple versus Android kind of argument of mm. open and closed. But at the same time, I think what we realize is that, you know, there's always a way for people to get their data out to an open ecosystem from our software. You know, you want to go out to RCP format, you want to go to E57, you want to go to PTS, you can do it. We're not stopping you. But if you want to stay in our ecosystem and you want to play with your know, really big files really quickly and you want to, you know, get that data very quickly from say our registration products through to end software we can do that and you can leverage the proprietary tech and the reason why we have this you know we have four let's say four or five development hubs for reality capture software so you know to name a few you've got sam ramon in california where you've got the big stuff uh, you know register 360 and those kind of products um you've got leon where cyclone 3dr is developed then you've got all the field applications they're developed out of switzerland but you know it's it's a, like you say it, it, it's sticky you know once you're once you're in and you find what works and you find the flow yep. and yes of course you know the competition is going to try and chip away and yes you lose people along the way and they'll buy something else but yeah i think there's a lot of people who are you know you cut them through the middle and it says like a geosystems and um you know we just have to i think you know that for me it's making people happy Right, it's keeping customers happy, and 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 you guys in America are absolutely kings, you know, kings and queens of putting the customer first, and and we have to kind of make sure that that's what we do going forwards. Mm. So we're actively listening. I'm I'm there as like a channel from the market to the product development team. That's what my role entails: is taking that feedback and actually making sure that we're not just in our own little bubble. And even if we are in our own little, little bubble, as long as it, as long as it's being um, 
you know, in, informed by, you know, actual field conditions and people, like you said, working out in, you know, working out and saying it's robust and and, and, it, and it's hard wearing, you know, that's what we aim for. We don't want it to break. We don't want it to flag. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Ken. Yeah, for sure. And I will say like, on the scanning side, for sure, um, like has always been looked at as basically the, uh, the industry standard on the scanning side. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that, that continues today. I mean, I, I've had the experience to work with a number of the Leica scanners and um, yeah, just amazing, amazing technology and, and, and hardware and software, as you're mentioning. What's up, Geoholics? This week, we want to give a special shout out to our good friends at North Star Surveying. Founded in 1979, North Star Surveying Inc. provides quality professional land surveying services for both private and and public clients throughout Western Oregon. The company maintains a strong desire to treat each and every client, associate, and consultant with respect and integrity so they end up with positive long-term relationships. Ensure the success of your upcoming surveying project with the help of North Star Surveying. To find out more, simply visit northstarsurveying.com and be sure to let them know that you're a geoholic. So on that note, let's let's move on to the the reality capture part of the discussion. Cause I know that's something you're incredibly passionate about and reality capture is probably like a couple of those like catch words are the biggest catchphrase in surveying and mapping for 2022 or something, you know, it's everybody's oh, yeah. talking about it's reality the, it's capture. The, the, the most overused, uh, yes. overused and misunderstood <laughs> word or phrase, phrase <laughs> of exactly. the year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how, Paul, how do you define reality capture? I mean, for me, you know, we, we actually have now a reality capture division, right? And if you look at the products, you're looking at everything from the BLK 360 through to the BLK to fly, to go, Arc, Pegasus, Pegasus backpack. You know, it's, it's that whole raft of anything that's collecting point clouds and collecting imagery and create, helping us create, not creating, helping us create, you know, digital twins or, you know, and, and, and again, I hate to use like an internal buzzword or an internal phrase, but smart digital realities, you know, the whole, the whole purpose of creating a basis in reality and a digital, a digital version of it is so that you can then, cr- you know, make decisions or you can manage spaces. And this whole thing, you know, with, with BIM, you build the building, you know, you design the building, you build the building and then you operate the building. And, that, and now we're seeing the reality capture technology not being used for just the design and the build, but also the operation as well. So in facilities management and asset management. So a, a rea- the reality capture process, regardless of which technology you're using, we are just making sure that it's the most accurate representation of reality. And, uh, you know, it, it, to the point of even your phone, it now becomes a reality capture mm. device, right? And you've seen it with the LiDAR sensors on Apple. And, uh, you know, we, we recently just actually added LiDAR support within our Field 360 product. So you can actually go out and scan with Field 360 and you can add that data into your traditional reality capture technology. So I think for me as well, not only is it about collecting the world around you, but it's also democratizing that process to a degree and, and, and allowing more people access to do it. So, yes, you've got old school surveyors and we need the surveyors, like you said at the beginning, we need the engineers, but not everyone needs to be an engineer. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of people buying our technology now who aren't surveyors. You know, if we, you know, if you look at the sales of BLK to go, for example, we sell into spaces that you wouldn't have ever thought of five, 10 years ago. Um, so I think, you know, it, again, a roundabout way of answering your question, Ken, but it, you know, it's, it's just 
it's such a big topic and it just keeps growing as we add more and more ways to capture data into this um, into this space. I mean, you could even you could even consider now like the total stations, the scanning total stations. That's reality capture, right? It's mm-hmm. you know just because it's less points doesn't make it any less valuable. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm real cur- curious. You said that you were in a, a couple of you know some spaces that you didn't think that you know you would be in five years ago. Can you give us a couple examples of what you know of where you're using that that technology that yeah, maybe absolutely. the audience I mean, wouldn't expect? Absolutely. I mean, you probably would expect it, but you wouldn't expect it to be growing as fast as I think you know it is. And that is like uh, firstly is uh, media, media and entertainment. So special effects, visual effects, so you know, re- and gaming, all of those spaces oh, have always yeah. used. You know, mm-hmm. since since I've been part of the business, we've always seen people using it, but it's just growing and growing and growing. Um, and you know, virtual production is helping there. You've got you know people going in and scanning sets for camera tracking. You've got you know even on the other side of the business, we've got the products that scan you know down to prop level, kind of you know micron accurate prop level stuff as well. So uh, that's one side of the business that's really doing very, very well, you know, and I won't name names, but we've got a customer at the minute who scans for films and they've got, I think they, globally, they've got like 35 RTC 360s or something like, you know, there's, there's these big companies um, using the kit. And then the other one, which we kind of, we were in, but now is coming down to a different kind of person is real estate. So, you know, and also uh, tied into real estate, you've got these big schemes in lots of European countries and maybe in the US, I don't know as well, where they're trying to rapidly map and insulate these these spaces. So and also and also plan for solar panels and stuff as well. So sending out teams of non surveyors to very quickly map the space, create 2D floor plans, maybe create a simple 3D model map the roof level so you can accurately plan what solar panels are going to go on there it's not always done by a surveyor with a total station you know, you, you, there are other devices and, and again you know in terms of democratization you're starting to see like for example you may not have touched one yet but the, the new little blk 360 the new generation is just the most easy to use little device and yes, yes, you know, traditional surveyors and traditionalists will come on and say, you need survey control, you need this, you need that. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. <laughs> you know, I I've, I must have surveyed my house 50 times and I haven't got any survey control in my house, but I, but it's accurate every single time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're, they're the two kind of big ones. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously forensics is coming into the fore as well. Lots of people using laser scanning and forensic applications, both crime scene and collision investigation. That's also growing. Oh yeah. Um, uh, but obviously, you know, building construction is just getting bigger and bigger. You know, building construction was always strong, but uh, you know, you're, you, like I said, you're now scanning at all these different phases, right the way from when it's a brownfield site, all the way through till you know you're scanning at the end to do uh, an as-built. You're scanning all the way through to do construction verification and progress reporting. And then you're also scanning at the very end for the operational side. So it, it it just, you know, someone can get so much value now from investing in the kit. I think that's the other thing as well. If you open your eyes to what you can get involved with, um, really, we, you know, I think there's still markets to identify personally. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. Um yeah, and, and and really the the pricing is at a at a point where your return on investment happens pretty quickly. Mm, mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, especially with the like the new 
the new BLK 360, I mean, I don't know what it is in dollars, but I think it's around like 20,000 euros or something like that, that kind of price. Um, and then the older generation is obviously cheaper, which you can still buy. But yeah, you know, the entry point to reality capture has come down drastically. Right. I used to sell, I used to sell the old HDS 3000 and scan station and, and the yeah. deal prices were like 120, 30,000 yeah. pounds. Mm. which is probably the equivalent to like $180,000, $90,000, right? So, it, it, yeah, it's changed dramatically in that time. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, you're seeing different people. So, yeah, we've got a guy in the UK. I don't know what his background is, but he goes and scans schools for um, space management within schools using the BLK to go. And, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to see how that business, you know, I didn't even think that was a business going to scan schools for capacity planning, hmm. but it, you know, it, it, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really it's however creative we can be with the technology. Sure. And, and I, w I would think that a school system needing that kind of technology in that application, mm -hmm. their first thought is not going to be, you know what, let me find a professional land surveyor to come out here and do this for me. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, all right, there's somebody out there that makes this thing that can run around with the backpack and get us what we need at that level. Not, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say the bad words, but not survey grade survey <laughs> uh, a, a imagery here because that's not what they need. The application doesn't warrant mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, being a surveyor, I, I want to disagree with you, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, of course, you know, we have, again, you know, artificial intelligence and virtual reality. Uh, you mentioned yeah. digital twins. Um, we've talked a lot this past year about the metaverse. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what, what, do, what do you think about, you know, uh, all that that's going on? You know, do you know what? There's a lot of internal research from our side and there's certain people in the organization are really throwing themselves into it um i think the, the the biggest thing that we are realizing is that obviously we have the capacity to sell products and support products that can help build these digital experiences right and and i've, I've been playing with some platforms in the past past few weeks there's one called spatial which is really fun and it is just you know it's a it's a meeting area but you can add you know, you can add in content, you can add in videos, but you can base it all in reality because you just drag and drop either, you know, an FBX file or a GLB file in from a scan, mm. a mesh data set, and you're in there, you know. So we've actually got a digital representation of one of our offices. Um, and I hope my my colleague doesn't mind me saying, but, you know, we've actually got like this virtual Christmas party this week where we ga we're gathering in the space, <laughs> in a space that not everyone can fly to because it's so expensive to have this kind of, you know, mini mini gathering. Yeah. So um, I, I think it will become hugely important. But, you know, and also you probably you might not be aware, but we bought a company called um, Immersal. So Hexagon acquired a company called Immersal, I think the back end of 2021. And they are like a city scale augmented reality solution. <laughs> so what you do is you feed their system with uh, the data and it creates these spatial maps and the spatial maps then are used to like hinge the virtual data in the real space. So you can be walking around, you pull up your phone a little bit like, you know, um, Pokemon Go or something like that. But it, yeah, it, we're obviously making moves as a business to acquire companies where we maybe have gaps. Um, and, and the immersal technology is fantastic. You know, there's some really other, you know, some other cool uses for it, but there's definitely an interest from our side for sure. And, and I think at the minute, everyone keeps on throwing the term metaverse around and web three and NFT, and you kind of get a little bit blown away by all of these terms. And I think we just have to sit back and reflect, but just be ready mm. that there's this going to be this wave of content creation 
and the need for you know at the same time also accurate accurate data uh so you've got you've got two sides to that story as well because you know i still think and you still think and i hope that you've got these people able to provide the very accurate data but where you want someone to just produce this very quick and rough and you know, rough and ready 3d spatial map we also have the technology to do that um, but it all feeds into the mix and, and and i'll absolutely hand on heart say that you know we think that it's going to be hugely important going forwards I, I think i think if anyone sitting here or anyone listening doesn't think it's going to be important then I'm not worried about that person, but they will, they won't feel the true impacts of it. Yep. Those are the guys and, doubling uh, down on Blockbuster and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and v VHS tapes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you like rest for a moment, you get left behind. Right. Yeah. It's exactly. Crazy. It is yeah. crazy. Yeah. I do. And, well, this, and again, you know, going back to my earlier comment, this is why we have like these agile groups within the, within the company to, sure. to make sure that we can make those leaps and bounds. And, um, you know, I, at the minute, I think everyone is still finding their feet, but certainly the research is happening to make sure that we're ready to launch on it. And, and at the minute, there's so many different metaverses. There's no clear winner yet. Obviously there's one big mm -hmm. company we won't mention that wants to be the winner, whether they are the winner <laughs> is, um, is another matter entirely, but, uh, yeah, it's really exciting. It is really exciting. So Ken, I must say, I had, I just, I had this crazy idea just now with li listening oh. to Paul talk about this and because you were just talking about our, uh, we're looking for a new studio space. Yep. I, this may be crazy, but I'm just throwing it out there. Would it be possible that our new studio space would also have a digital twin that people could come and like, wouldn't it be ideal if Paul was in a 3D, re I don't even know the right hmm. words, but Paul was here with us virtually? That would be amazing. In the metaverse or wherever that you go to, to be in this room with us uh, with, from a 3D scan live. I mean, I got it. The sugarverse. <laughs> the sugarverse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost like we got to start putting up what we're talking about here. And there might be somebody out there that could help us do that and create a space to where instead of, uh, you know, on Zoom or wherever, that Paul is sitting here experiencing this space with us, you know, nine, ten hours away. Hologram. But you can do that. You can do that now, right? It, there's a there's a platform we tested a few weeks ago called Spatial. You know, get just get a scan done of your space, import that in in New Cup. You can even record the podcast in the space. Yeah, you could do it tomorrow. <laughs> did it, did I just blow your mind? <laughs> in more ways than one. Yes. <laughs> uh, one other thing, real quick, before we move on, uh, you said something that I didn't exactly know what it was, and maybe you can define what a What's a neural network? Oh my word! Just in terms of so, when we, if we're looking at artificial intelligence, machine learning, neural networks, it's it's the it's the training mechanism. So you're training your neural network to perform certain tasks, but you have to feed it with data. So you've kind of got this cycle of collecting data and then marking data and then train the neural network so that this kind of feedback loop just continues and continues. So the, the idea is that you, again, you, you iterate very, very quickly and you get learning from your customer or learning from customer data. And then that feeds back into your neural network. So when you are then performing certain tasks, 
all of that, you've used the machine learning to train the neural network so it, it performs certain things automatically. And it's just sitting in the background. That probably is the worst explanation I've given of it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, all tied, it's all tied together in terms of how we leverage data that people are collecting to get to an end result faster, right? We, we just want to, you know, whether it's automated, you know, everyone says about, you know, can we automate modeling? Can we automate scan to BIM? Can we automate the progress monitoring reporting and all this stuff? It all sounds very simple when you say, oh yeah, let's just put a dev team on that. But actually the legwork and the and the man hours that goes into getting to that result. Um, but then at the same time, and whether you've been paying attention the last few weeks, but this, uh, when you see artificial intelligence coming to the fore, you've got um, like these automatic imagery solutions now. So there's DALI and then there's stable diffusion and mid journey. And you type in, I want to see a picture of Kent riding a unicorn in his new studio and it will create it, you know? <laughs> oh, you just given me a great idea. Let me uh, yeah. see if that's that kind of stuff. And it's just accelerating so fast because it's perpetually learning. You know, every time it's doing something, it's learning and refining. Um, and this, and there was a thing the other day and it was like saying the number of people it took to, or the number of days it took to get to a million users. And this AI tool that was released a couple of weeks ago, it took like a day to get to a million users, which was wow. faster than, you know, faster than credit cards, faster than Netflix, faster than Facebook, all these companies. And you're like, it's here, it's here now. And it's ready to start using. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. You just gotta have, unfortunately, you've got to have the time to just go and find and play. But, uh, you know, I, I did a couple of posts on LinkedIn the other day and I actually used this new chat. Chat is called Chats GBT, G, GPT. And I put, write me a LinkedIn post that says the top five, five reasons you should use laser scanning for, for construction. And it did it. And then I posted it. And at the <laughs> bottom, I said, look, I did not write this. This was written by artificial intelligence. Wow. But who, who, there's a lot of people out there who wouldn't tell you that that was written by artificial intelligence. Oh, sure. And that's... Yeah, <laughs> I, I must That's say crazy. that our last episode, uh, our good uh, uh, guest co-host, uh, Dr. Nick Schmolowski, the uh, the Bad Elf Minute was about chat. What is it? Chat GBT or whatever that is. Yeah, uh, that's what uh, when when you hear that, that he, he has a little two minutes about that exact platform. Yeah, cool. Amazing. It's hard to keep up. I, I mean, yeah, but the very fact, like like Paul said, you can just say. You know, and maybe where is this going where it's like, hey, uh, I have a, a term paper on Henry VIII. Can you give me five, you know, uh, a quick three page, three page paragraph or something about the Henry VIII's first three wives? Where was this when I was in school? Well, it will do it. Yeah, but it will do it now. That's the point. You can do it now. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. I had to rely on Cliff Notes, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was very clear that I was using Cliff Notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God, so funny. Hello again, Geoholics. We want to give our good friends at Pointman by ProStar a quick shout out. These guys are absolutely blowing up. Pointman is a patented cloud and mobile mapping software application that captures, records, and displays the precise location and the associated metadata to critical surface and subsurface infrastructure. Pointman captures mission critical infrastructure data with unprecedented quality and accuracy that includes type, depth, and precise geospatial location. Where Google Maps above the ground, ProStar maps the underground. Check them out at ProStarCorp.com and be sure to let them know that you're a geoholic. 
Um, so you had mentioned in, uh, in your bio that you spent some time in, uh, in the States. Talk about that yeah. just a little bit, because it sounded like that was pretty impactful. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it was short, but it was very important, really, from a from a career perspective and from a personal perspective, because it kind of really hammers home to you what's you know what's important in life. I think so. Um, yeah, obviously, I'm back. I'm back in. I'm back in the UK, but you know, I think I've been back since middle of 2018 now. But uh, I, I was working with a guy called Fahim, and uh, he was looking after software, and he basically said, "Look, you know, come out to San Ramon and." we've got this great product management team. You can be part of the team and basically drive the vision for, you know, what the software becomes over the next few years. And, uh, you know, so I was thrown in at the deep end going from a very sort of commercial role, you know, looking at, you know, sales management going across into this kind of technical product management uh, role. And I was always very technical anyway, but yeah, you know, just the, the ways, the way that a dev team works, you know, with scrum masters and, agile development and learning all this, you know, all the, these new ways of working in a new environment, you know, having gone from kind of working remotely anyway, to then going into an office based environment, that was also very, it was, it was challenging, actually, it was very challenging to go from like, the freedom to kind of plan your day to having this very, you know, going back to this very strict, like, you get in at this time, you leave at that time and try and get everything done in between. Um, but yeah, from a, from a personal perspective, obviously brought my family, my wife, my kids, they, you know, to some degree they enjoyed it, but towards the end, you know, um, wanted to come home, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was just really useful to see the nuts and bolts of a development team, you know, a, a whole floor of developers, you know, you've got a row here looking after Cloudworks, a row looking after register, a row looking after the VR stuff or whatever. And, 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 and it was just, just the interplay between the product management team and these developers, very, very, you know, insanely clever development people. And, and also learn a lot about, you know, people as well, because coming from a sales background, you're kind of naturally more like uh, extrovert, right? You are more extrovert. You're, you're used to talking to people and being the center of attention and, and doing presentations to going and dealing with developers who, for most most of the time, they go into work, they do their job, they're super hyper focused, and then they leave uh, and go home. and 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 some of them aren't extroverts. In fact, majority aren't extroverts. And just learning to kind of work with different people, and also different cultures, because you know, working with you know a, a lot of um, a lot of immigrants as well who come into the US sure. on on work visas. So from India and from Japan and China and all these places. So it was very very eye-opening um and 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 totally useful to do and and i would have loved to have stayed longer but you know personal reasons aside you know we, we came home but it was yeah it was really nice and we lived in a lovely area called uh, it was danville we heard of danville near um san francisco yeah beautiful little <laughs> yeah, town yeah, and yeah. uh you know the kind of you know mountain in the background and sure. we lived on a nice you know a nice estate with the family and everything but it was yeah we you know, it is what it is. It's done and dusted. It's part of, you know, what we are now as a family. And uh, we look back on that time fondly, but it, it, you know, it also really, really helped. So when I'm now stressing and saying, please do this, or I need that, you know, really, I have to be considerate and I am considerate because I know what they're going through. Yeah. 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 I mean, sounds like it was a great experience for you. I, uh, I'm just sitting here. It's, it's a time of day here where like emails start like pounding my phone, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, there's got to be an AI that can answer these emails for me. Uh, uh, Kent, there is. It's out there. What is it? It's exactly. Uh, where were you the last 20 minutes? Paul was just talking about it. All right, let's get it. Listen, listen to the point of beginning. 
<laughs> the bad elf minute will we'll give you all the details. Oh, my goodness. Because so I believe that about. the AI exists, that you can say, hey, draft me an email that tells this client to go piss off. And they'll do that in a very elegant way. I need that. (laughs) (laughs) So what about like uh, in the UK, where are you guys at with like uh, 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 autonomy, like autonomous vehicles specifically? Um, Autonomous vehicles, you know, really the the, the regulation hasn't caught up with the technology. I think it's probably to, Mm -hmm. to some degree a little bit the same in some US states as well. So I think there's a, there's also a big debate raging at the minute with certain personalities. You know, what's better, radar or lidar, mm. imaging and radar or lidar. And 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 you know, I've known a few people, and you know, I won't say it was the cause, but we you know, we used to have someone who worked in the U.S. who was actually uh, he was knocked off his motorbike and sadly killed, and he was knocked over by a Tesla. Mm. And uh, it makes you wonder you know, what was happening. I don't know what the investigation showed, but it makes you wonder why, why this person got knocked over um, in what would seem like a very ordinary situation. So, you know, I have a personal, I, I think it's great. I, I would love that everyone, you know, we, we, we put everyone a level playing field and everyone uses self-driving tech. And when I think about my you know, older relatives who have gone now, but couldn't drive towards the end of their lives, if that you know, mm-hmm. to be able to step into a vehicle and just say, take me here or take me there. It would have been fantastic. Or maybe shouldn't yeah, have driven. Of, yeah. Say again? Or maybe shouldn't have, shouldn't have been driving at, at that age. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. Forcibly taking, you know, driving licenses off people and whatnot. Right. But, um, it, it, yeah, I think from a, from a technology, like an automation perspective, people are very open here to seeing, you know, where things can go. So, you know, you're probably aware we now have this big push around autonomy within the Hexagon business. So uh, we have the BLK ARC, which is like a derivative of the BLK to go. Um, that stands for autonomous reality capture. We also have the BLK to fly. That's, you know, this autonomous drone that you put up in the sky, specify yeah, your something. areas and it will go off and collect the data. So I think people... People are getting less scared of the term and thinking that it means they're going to lose their job and more accepting of the fact that it should make them do their job easier. Mm, Right. And I think that's a big difference that I think the education with what you just said is the most important. Like it's not there to replace. It's there as a, as another tool, just like any other tool was and has developed over the last, you know, 150 years, whatever. Got to adapt. Yes. Even old guys like me. Got adapt. It is possible. I know. I know. Um, on the uh, the topic of autonomy, I know another thing that you're very passionate about is, um, you know, helping to make working remotely uh, a successful arrangement. And mm. I uh, I did this demo yesterday, coincidentally, for maybe you've heard of it. It's called the Owl, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. it's this uh, uh, device that helps meetings for remote folks become more immersive as was talked about earlier. And it's this thing, you know, you set it in the middle of your conference room you can tether multiple owls. Um, it's got a, you know, high definition, 360 degree fisheye camera on the top. It's a microphone. It's a speaker. It, it through AI, I believe tracks individuals. So like if, you're sitting in this seat and you start talking, boom, the camera goes to you. Mm. You know, I mean, it is amazing technology. Um, is, is, is it stuff like that that uh, kind of gets you amped up, Paul? Do you, know, do you know what? I think going back to your topic of the of the metaverse um, or, and, and that, and, you know, the VR and the AR stuff, I think that's where 
I see a lot of this collaboration taking place. Yeah, you, know, you look at what Meta are doing with I think it's called Horizon Worlds is their version. Mm. But you know, I guess that there'll be some kind of Teams or Microsoft kind of version in the future. But you know, at the end of the day, I do find it hard enough. You know, there's three of us now, but you know, sometimes we have team meetings and there's probably you know there might be twenty there might be twenty cameras on. It's hard enough keeping track, and to the point where sometimes you just turn off the video anyway, because what you're actually interested in is what's being said. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's very hard to see these visual cues from people when there's that many people on the screen. I, I'd love to see what VR can do. I'd love to, see, you know, if if I strap on a headset and and I'm in a space, what does it bring? You know, if it's got eye tracking or it can track my, you know, when I'm speaking, can it track my face and, and accurately project that? But at the same time, I probably still get the same value from picking up a phone and having a conversation with someone. Oh, sure. So for all so for all of the gains of the technology, we still have to kind of, you know, temper it with the fact that sometimes you just want the you know the easy option. You want your meeting to be quick and simple. You want to hit 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 the hit the you know agenda topics and then get on with the next meeting. So uh, you know. All I will say, I mean, I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to watch it unfold. But I'm not here going, get me a headset, get me this, make my life easier. Although that owl thing sounds pretty cool. Um, the one thing I will say is just I, I, I want people working remotely to feel connected to the business. And I I do, but primarily because I've been working here for 16 years. But I'm, I'm interested to know if we get a new starter and they get chucked in and they're a, and a remote worker, how do we infuse the kind of culture and drive and energy in that person so that's a big topic as well it's not and that just doesn't come from technology that comes from kind of the mentorship and everything else you are uh you're speaking to the right guys (laughs) with that because that's a common theme that we talk about and we can consistently i want to say struggle with but it's always in the forefront of us of and especially i can't even imagine when i mean we struggle with immersing new folks into the culture when they're here yeah. and just working out in the field a little bit, not to mention those that might be working remotely and we never even see them. Yeah. 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 And that's it. I mean, the thing is I've, I met people this year who I've been talking to for three years and never physically met them, but it was really nice because actually we, we met and it was like, you know, we'd never, we'd never not met if that makes sense. It, you know, we, sure. there was an instant yeah. connection. There was an instant rapport because you built it up even virtually. So I think, you know, and there was a couple of people who came to me and they were like, oh, hi. And I went, but we know each other. And they were like, no, we've never met. And I couldn't quite understand that we'd not met each other because <laughs> yeah. we had that many virtual meetings. So I think, you know, we're, yeah, I, you know, I go back to the point. It's just how do we, especially with younger people coming through, like you said, these university you know, graduates and stuff, and they're starting out. How do we infuse the same kind of passion into those people? Um, and if you don't, you're just going to lose them very, very quickly. And that, that's also, a, you know, a massive worry. Yeah. Yeah. And when, you know, when, when does that start? We talk about it, you know, fairly often, um, you know, infusing the corporate culture, I guess, into, to new folks. Is that something that starts like during the interview process at the onboarding? I mean, what, what do you find is the most effective approach for that? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, I'm not, I've never been like kind of directly, directly involved in the HR process, but there are sort of, let's say there's a handful of people in the organization where I have found them out and about, let's say in the field or at meetings. And, and I said, they would be a really good fit for our business. Mm. Um, and thankfully, you know, quite a few people are still with us, which is, which is good. So I've obviously got, you know, a, a, 
an eye for some of these good people. But, you know, I think it really does sometimes you just have to get that that emotional reaction. Say, yeah, this person's going to be good. And why are they going to be good? Well, they love technology. You know, they're super nice. They're really clever and they're self-motivated. And that, and that's kind of, you know, that's all they need. And if you're customer facing as well, I can immediately tell whether someone's going to be good in front of a customer. Um, and, you know, and, and like I said, I'm not involved in that hiring process, but I do feel sorry for anyone in HR right now who has to, you know, has to do it remotely because it must be really difficult to, to, to get a judge of character. Um the one thing I do like, is, I do, I will say, is that as an organisation, we've got much less. If I look at the UK and Leica in the UK, we've got much less British, if that makes sense. So we are, you know, there's a much more relaxed European culture around the business now. So not everyone is walking around wearing a full suit and tie all the time, which I used to have to do when I first started. You know, it's much more relaxed. Very, you know, chinos and a nice open neck shirt, and there's, it's much more relaxed. And I also think. No one, you know, people do make mistakes, but no, you know, you have to make mistakes, right? We have to, but I think mm. people are not fearful of making a mistake, which I think is a real, really, you know, worrying trend if you get people scared of making mistakes and they just become completely paralyzed for decision-making, right? Oh, that was a common topic. And I think that was, uh, uh, Michael Bowman uh, had that great uh, phrase, whereas he wanted to take the shame out of, or take the yeah, yeah, take out the shame failure. out of failure. Yeah, right. And that I, and that really stuck with me. And we've been trying to promote that around our office. Just it's it's okay to fail. And once we yeah. and just like you're saying, Paul, once you get into that rigid mode where everyone is so scared to make a mistake, then you're stagnant and nothing happens. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I've and I've seen it happen. You know, I've seen you know you've seen a team become you know they cut they can't they just freeze and then it takes you know almost taking someone out of that team or taking the management away from that team to go right breathing space we're back to you know and resetting everything right but um you know it's not it doesn't happen often for sure and i think this is what i said now more than ever i can see that the culture is evolving and everyone is with with this notion of being agile and uh, you know, people are willing to make mistakes. You know, you might you might make four products that never make it to market, but the one you do absolutely smashes it. Mm. You know, so that kind of goes into the next question I have is, uh, what advice would you give for anyone considering a career in in this space in geomatics or reality capture? Oh, I mean, I think the the key thing what you said at the beginning is your degree and your training does not dictate your path. So that is really down to the individual. And and the key thing is, you know, we're, we're now picking up as much as we're picking up people who are like classically trained surveyors and a lot of like the, let's say the, the slightly older people within the organization have come from a surveying background. They've gone into a sales role. They've moved into a management role. They've moved into a senior management role. And there's a, you know, a natural progression. What we're seeing now is hiring people from different backgrounds. So like if we want to break into the media and entertainment space, who are you going to hire? You're not going to go and hire a surveyor because it just doesn't bring the knowledge. Um, so I, th I think if, if you want to break into the space, I mean, if you're talking about sales rather than like working in like like you guys actually performing a service, but if you're working in, uh, you know, Leica Geosystems or Hexagon Geosystems, you know, one, be absolutely passionate for the technology. First and foremost, if you can't talk about it and use it and love it, don't bother. Because mm -hmm. that's all you're doing. You know, all I'm doing all day, every day, is I'm testing and iterating 
and taking feedback and trying to take a customer's wish and turn that into a in, into like a roadmap uh, you know feature so if you if you don't have the, the the passion then you know don't bother ultimately if you if you if you're a if you're a surveyor and you live by the control points and the angles and the distances and, and that's all you do then go and work in the field go and be a surveyor go and do something but sometimes you know we do see people pivot and come into the sales space but it, you know, hand in hand what goes with that as well is you know the personality to sell not every surveyor is designed to be a salesperson i would say in fact that's very true <laughs> yes very much <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you see reality capture being something that is going to be, you know, taught in in schools and universities? Well, I hope so. I really hope so. And I mean, we see we see that the laser scanning in particular has now found its way into a lot of the university courses, particularly in, in Europe. And, and I guess talking to some of the US guys, we do see some more of it for sure. Um, I would like to see a much bigger education push. In fact, you know, a, a little bit of a plug. You probably had them on, actually. Uh, I do. I'm a, a technically an ambassador for Get Kids Into Survey. Oh, and um, so working with Elaine, and yep. and yeah, absolutely. We want to try and make it exciting. Um, we want to try and get you know, like look past the traditional mm. and look. You know, when Elaine and her team do these fantastic posters, and they're like, a, you know, it's a city. And you look at all the different ways that the technology is deployed across that city. Um, you know, I, I had some I had some builders in this summer, and I was testing uh, some kit, and they were like, "What is this?" And I was explaining to these guys who work with their hands and make all these wood construction. And I said, "Yeah, at the end of the day, I can survey this job, and I can tell you how level everything is to within a couple of millimeters, and we can see if there's going to be any pooling on the roof if it's you know if it's if the the angles aren't correct." And that you could see their minds going. Man, we could really use this. And then you turn around and go, oh, it's 20 grand. And they go, okay, mate, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find another way. But at the same time, you know, those people in those trades, you know, the opportunistic and entrepreneurial ones will see the opportunity. So, you know, we sell scanners to people who are fit, fitting kitchens and fitting stairs and doing lifts. Um, we have people buying it who are designing golf courses. And you're like, they're, you know, they, they just see beyond the technology and go, right, what can I use this for? How can I make money? Um, and I really like engaging with those people. But they're also sometimes the people go, "Ah, oh, yeah, I really want you to work for me as well. Right. <laughs> Not work for us. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yep, that's true. All right. Um, uh, one last question that I, I always ask, and you did have, actually mention a, a, a mantra earlier uh, that I really love, and if you can kind of expand on that if you want. But the general question everyone gets do you have a mantra that you live by? Do you know we have like a we have like a family mantra, which is kind of you know it genuinely just be kind, right? Mm. You know, and and I, and I think that that comes a lot from my wife. She you know she's a very you know, she's a very feminine, she's a very gentle person. Um, but yeah, I mean I I I'm a pretty gentle guy, really, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, we just say be kind, and if and if and if you can't be kind then, you know, if you can't say something kind, then say nothing at all, you know, just, just, you know, obviously try and help, try and be nice. But, you know, I, I always tell my wife, she overstretches, she does way too much for other people, but she can't help herself because that's just the nature of sure, her, yeah. uh, her view. But yeah, I think, you know, just be kind. And, 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 and I, you know, I, I guess there's some people out there who don't like, you know, reality capture guy or think that I'm all I talk about is like her all day, every day, but I do my best to try and help people and I don't ask for anything in return, 
right? So whether it's on a laser scanning forum or it's on LinkedIn or it's, you know, someone dropping me a message and saying, can I get some help? I do it. And I don't know why I do it, but I do. <laughs> but I do. And, you know, we, we've got a community of 25,000 people on our LinkedIn group now, which is just, you know, phenomenal. And that's that's taken a long time to get there, but that's 25,000. And at last count, we had something like nearly 70% of the accounts engaged with the content, which is great. I mean, it's, you know, it's not just dead, dead wood, so to speak. But it all comes from just giving without actually expecting anything back. So, you know, I could easily go and put all my all my video content behind a paywall and charge someone for it. But what what's what's the point? Right. You know, I, I've created it. It's share, you know, share the wealth. Like, you know, I've I've got we've got people like you say, people who are outside of this industry have come into this industry because they've seen a video and gone, Oh yeah, I can I can do this, I can use this. Um so yeah, I mean it's a long again another long-winded answer sorry but yeah yeah just be kind just be just just give without thinking about what's going to come back to you love it give to get i love that one yeah yeah yeah, exactly and the uh it's so funny (laughs) that you said if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all my dad used to say that to my brother and i all the time oh really we'd be fighting (laughs) like if you guys don't have anything good to say to each other don't say anything at all (laughs) it's a great one (laughs) it just seemed like it was coming from a better place when paul said it (laughs) yeah true true yeah definitely definitely. do you know do you know what you i'm just gonna just bear with me because there's a picture up here i'm not gonna get it down but it it says so this is my this is from my wife so it says we are kind we are happy we are chatty. We are fun. We are family. We are the burrows. So that's what that's her. That's oh, like that's her amazing. Thing. It's like that's, I, that's awesome. in front of my that's in front of my uh, my desk right now. It's awesome. Good stuff right there. So, Paul, anything else that you want to get out there before uh, we let you go and we get to work? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got it. I've got another meeting to go straight into as well. Um, no, look, guys, just thank you so much. Obviously, I've listened to lots of episodes over the past few years. Um, I tried myself to do a podcast and I do have some episodes which got some, didn't get a hundred thousand listens, but got some listens. So I know the energy and effort it takes to put this together. So I think from your point of view, you know, absolutely be hugely proud of what you guys have achieved because it's, you know, it's amazing. And, and again, putting it out there, you're doing exactly what I said. You're putting it out there without expecting anything back. Right. So, um, you know, it's, you know, it's great. And, and, you know, thank you for giving me the platform, but you know, I don't want to use this as an advertising opportunity for sure. But if you're not connected with me, connect with me on LinkedIn. So whether you search reality capture guy or Paul Burroughs, then connect. Um, if you're interested in reality capture and you're not already using it, check out the laser scanning forum. So just search laser scanning forum. Um, fantastic resource. Um, and obviously if you're a, you know, a Leica Geosystems reality capture user, look up, look, look the group up on LinkedIn and, and join there as well. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. It's been really interesting. Um, hopefully we both learned something. Uh, <laughs> something I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Really good stuff, Paul. Really appreciate your time and, uh, you know, can't thank you enough for, uh, carving out time in your busy schedule to, to be here with us. Today. Yeah, absolutely. No thank, you. thank you. Yeah. I know it's, I know it took a while, but we got there eventually. So right. yeah. Thank yep. you. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. On that note, adding value, making friends. Once again, check that box. If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show or have any uh, topical ideas, shoot us an email at info at thegeoholics.com. Benfolds 5, not 3. Not 3. Army, available everywhere. Until next time, everyone, be kind. That's my one takeaway. And my other one is get 1% better every day. 1% better every day. Ah, I love it. Yes. Love it. 
All right. Be safe and healthy, everybody. Thank you to our 2022 Friends of the Program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com, North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com, ProStar Corporation, ProStarCorp.com, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, TopoDot, new.certainty3d.com, and finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.